With the flick of her pen, she writes, the magic within beginning to rise. The words flow, pages unfold, the stories delight. They help you to make a smile as you take my hand. You're spirited into a dreamy land, into the story we ride with the story spirits as our guide. This is the Rose of San Juan Capistrano, the little rose of inner power from my Spirit Guides of Tessa Locke series. Dedication to all the rose fairies out there in the world. Thank you for your service. Chapter One, Heat and Inner Fire. The day was bright and sunshiny, even with the weather forecasting a storm blowing in from Rockaway Point Bay. The tansy rose sat perched atop the windowsill of the inner garden room, and Greer dusted around all the pots of seedling flower babies, assuring that all the little souls inside the flowers felt safe and comfortable. His mistress Rosalie was out teaching her gardening class, and his new master of the house Calvin was fixing his bow tie and looking quite dapper at that. What had been a night of complete and utter weirdness a few months ago had blossomed into a full romance, and Calvin and Rosalie had fallen in love, just as the little rose of Santa Domingo had come there to fulfill, for matters of the heart were her expertise. But now a new rose was stepping forward, and it had a very different life purpose. The rose of San Juan Capistrano sat under a green light, basking in the feminine power of its gilded gold edges and strawberry pink petals. This rose had a job to do, and it was time to activate. Molly McBottom sat sunning herself alongside the tansy rose, who exuded a masculine power that was so strong, Molly had to fan herself with the miniature Japanese fan she had found on her last adventure outdoors. Someone had thrown out an entire miniature home in the dustbins, and she had enlisted the help of Greer to carry inside, or transport rather, the small gypsy caravan with the miniature silk rug, small outdoor table and chairs, and mini kitchen setup. But that Japanese fan had captured Molly's attention above all else. Somehow, when she fanned it, in front of her, she could see into other worlds, and those other worlds had messages for her and the messages foretold of a great adventure coming for Rosalie and Calvin. And whatever it was, was being kept tightly guarded. The only thing the spirits of the Japanese fan would say was that it was really, really good. Well, Molly wasn't one to believe blindly. She did have immense faith, but she was also level-headed and a sort of, I'll believe it when I see it, fairy. The rose of San Juan Capistrano poofed out a strawberry-scented vibe, and Calvin turned to look towards the inner garden room. He had to get back to his job at the School of Herbs, where, based on all the gardening class knowledge he had acquired, he had been hired on as master herbalist. It's funny how once you put your mind to something, you can achieve anything. But as soon as he had started, 
The Rose of San Juan Capistrano would be calling him and Rosalie away, away from Tessa Locke and to a new town where magic and mystery were waiting. The town of Whistling Gulch was calling and it wanted someone to come and bring the light. This little town had seen its fair share of downtimes and had put out a call to the angels for guidance and assistance. Whistling Gulch was deep in the forest of the Forbidden Bears and deep within the perimeter of Tessa Locke's jurisdiction, but that wouldn't stop the powers that be. They wanted Calvin and Rosalie on this assignment, and even though the pair wasn't actively aware of their bringers of the light service work, they always stepped forward when called upon. They would realize it soon enough. But for now, there was a dark forest in the forest of forbidden bears, and Whistling Gulch had had enough. The cell phone dinged on the kitchen counter, and Calvin stepped over Catamancy to retrieve it. Did you know that cat wizards had the power to make a cell phone call? Well, maybe that's for another time. Hello, Calvin said politely, even though the caller ID said potential spam. Hello, this is Wendy Wellington calling from Whistling Gulch Retreat. Wendy, a.k.a. Mrs. Smitherton, a bringers of the Light HQ, said into the telephone, Are you the man of the house? Which, of course, she knew full well that he was. Well, yes, I am, Calvin said politely again, but before you go any further, he didn't want to go to another timeshare presentation. Well, it's your luck day, Mrs. Smitherton said, smiling from ear to ear. You've won an all-expense-paid getaway to Whistling Gulch Mountain Retreat, no strings attached. She paused only briefly, but we, we didn't enter any contest, Calvin said, although he had recalled Rosalie filling out a contest entry form at the last autumn festival. We would like to offer you this brief vacation getaway with all the trimmings, Mrs. Smitherton said, hoping he wouldn't hang up. Although she did have other ways of getting her point across, but she didn't like to ping people mentally if she didn't have to. I'll have to talk it over with my love, Calvin said, always uncertain how he should refer to Rosalie when speaking to others. Was she his other half, soulmate, better half, life partner? He still wasn't sure, but he did know love, and so he liked to call her that every chance he got. We can send a lemo for you and a guest this Friday if you like, Mrs. Smitherton said, pushing with her mind. You'll find everything you need to know about this in your email and on our website. You can even call our main office and get references if you're unsure. Of course, that phone number went straight to HQ main office. As Calvin was ho-humming about this whole strange situation, the flowers and plants in the inner garden room were listening. Catamancy rose and silently padded into the room and up to Greer. Project Lightwork 101 is about to commence, he mentally said to Greer. We need to be ready. Greer nodded in agreement and understanding and put down his dust cloth. He would have work to do in order to ready the Rose of San Juan Capistrano for travel, but it wasn't anything he hadn't done before. Molly McBottoms put the Japanese fan down and said a silent prayer. Her guardians were getting a special assignment one that would stretch their relationship, bringing them closer together and activating their light bodies to an even higher degree of spiritual power. She must help the others to get ready, she thought, pulling a tapestry travel bag from the hole in the wall of the little corner garden. They were going on a quest. Chapter 2 The quest begins, sort of. Calvin put down the phone and immediately felt he needed to go outside. 
An all-expense-paid trip to Whistling Gulch Retreat was just what he and Rosalie needed right now. The fact that he and his paramour were being called into some secret light service work never crossed his mind. Why should it? He technically didn't know that he was a bringer of the light. Oh well, he would learn soon enough. There was already an activation happening within his soul, even if he didn't quite recognize that anything was changing. Gotta pack a bag, Calvin thought to himself, and let Rosalie know this good news. She'd be, she'll be thrilled to be traveling again. As Calvin was puttering around trying to organize himself, Greer and Molly McBottoms were working to pack up themselves. They would have a short window of opportunity to tag along with the couple, and they still had to get the rose of San Juan Capistrano ready for travel. It too had work to do. Sometimes Calvin thought it would be nice to drop everything and run away together, and now the time had come. He called Rosalie, who was just as excited as he was, and canceled all her classes for the weekend so she could go. There was no time to waste as the limo was to pick them up at 7 a.m. sharp Saturday morning and whisk them away on this dream vacation. Calvin had packed lightly and ensured that someone could come by twice a day and walk his new pug, Carnelian. The pooch would have to stay behind under strict orders that pets were not allowed within or around the Whistling Gulch retreat. Something that Calvin thought was quite strange, but hey, all expenses were paid, so he could hang without Carnelian for two days, right? Chapter 3. Whistling Gulch is not what it seems. It was by no chance that this assignment had come to the attention of the bringers of the Light HQ. Something sinister was going on in the small town. Let's just say, it made the deep forest elves look like saints compared to the dark magic that was threatening the town. You may wonder why novices and undeclared bringers of the Light would be called to service if such a dark force was beckoning. Why not bring in Abigail and Dakar, you might ask? Or that badass Tambor and her now soul flame Jameson, both very formidable pairs for such a dark reckoning. But sending in a newbie pair, all unassuming and unaware, was the perfect trap, Highcourt thought, as he used his scrying bowl to keep an eye on the spirits of the town. They were going to need a miracle on this one, and he knew that, although time was of the essence, it was also important to keep the faith that everything would work out just fine. Whistling Gulch retreat staff were preparing the windfall suite for the winners of the Whistling Gulch pie-eating contest, and as such, Calvin and Rosalie were walking right into the trap. Could they find their way out of this maze of secrets and intentionally place booby traps to save the day? Well, that remains to be seen. If one little rose could save the day before and bring the pair together, then certainly love over all else would save them all again. Chapter four, a green paradise, or is it? A limo pulled up to the small cottage and the pair picked up their weekender bags and a few small assorted bags of goodies and allowed the driver to place everything in the boot. Calvin held onto a bag containing a bottle of Irish whiskey and two shot glasses. It was customary in his family to take a shot of good old Irish whiskey at the start of any new adventure. Greer and Molly McBottoms had no time to waste. While everyone was asleep last night, they had swiftly and very carefully stashed 
the rose of San Juan Capistrano in Rosalie's overnight makeup case was a vintage train case lovingly restored to its earlier splendor with a few modern touches such as the interior fabric with pink sprinkled doughnuts on it and the pocket that could hold Rosalie's favorite crystals for traveling. There was even a little case filled with beach sand from the time Rosalie's family had gone to Maui, Hawaii on vacation. Rosalie liked to carry the sand with her just to remind her of what felt like home to her. The islands always beckoned, no matter how far away she was from them. The rose of SJC had been spritzed and wrapped very carefully in its travel case, but it couldn't be in there long without the danger of wilting. Molly hoped this trip wouldn't be very far, otherwise she and Catamancy would have to devise a plan to get the rose out for some air and a drink of water. The lemo pulled away from the house and from the protection of the forest, and off it went to forests unknown and dangers unrecognized as the forest of forbidden bears waited. Now this forest had been in the town of Whistling Gulch since before the town was founded way back in the 15th century. The bears of the forest did not take kindly to humans and had done much damage in town whenever they had too much honeymead on the full moons. They became especially cantankerous at full moon eclipses and when Mercury was in retrograde. But their snarly nature was nothing compared to a new dark energy which was trying to take root in the town. Already dark forces had implants at Whistling Gulch Retreat and at the local tavern. They made themselves known to the townspeople at night and many a tipsy traveler was known to disappear after a night of merrymaking at the tavern only to show up again later the next night as a person devoid of any good will whatsoever. The townspeople told tall tales of a wicked-looking green sprite and several old cantankerous elves who were up to no good at the edge of the forest and out on the moors under the moonlight. Talk of wicked beings seen charging and dancing around a bonfire at the boundary edges of Whistling Gulch Retreat had caused the management to instill a strict policy that no guest or staff member should walk anywhere along the grounds alone after dark. But observe with a naked and unassuming eye, Whistling Gulch looked like any old charming town along the Rockaway Point corridor, a place where magic, merriment, and mystical realms existed alongside idyllic landscapes and polite people. The green sprite, who we'll call Mr. S, rubbed his hands gleefully. It was time for phase two of the dark orders. He spat into the cauldron and threw in a bright green frog for good measure. He heard a message come into his mind from Dark Forces HQ. You've got some resistance coming up. Be wary of the new guests at the inn, over and out. The Dark Forces dispatcher telepathically broke off the message. And Mr. S smiled a most gleeful and sinister smile. He was ready, and so were his minions. Chapter 5 The Limo and the Whiskey Toast It's time, Calvin said, pulling out the whiskey and the shot glasses. Rosalie was still trying to get used to this custom, but she had promised herself that she would support her person as a sort of secret pact to her union.
She really didn't like whiskey, but it was only one drink and made Calvin feel safe and honoring of his past and the ancestors. She took the crystal shot glass filled with a little dollop of whiskey. Calvin knew Rosalie didn't like the whiskey toast, but he appreciated the care and attention she took to nurture their relationship. Tonight, he would show her just how much he appreciated all the things she did for him. He could be very amorous and fulfilling of her every desire. And when she had that 2 a.m. craving for a slice of chocolate rum cake, he would lovingly get out of bed and procure this for her. To our journey, he lifted his shot glass and clinked it with hers. To our journey, she clinked back and then down the small drink. She coughed. <laughs> he coughed. <laughs> And then he took her glass and set it next to his on the little bar cart. One can only imagine why they needed to toast this journey, but when they felt an urge to do something, they always followed through with it. Calvin took Rosalie's hand in his, and they both relaxed back against the opulent upholstery. The driver buzzed into the back of the car. We're coming up on the whistling gulch in about five minutes. Calvin turned to Rosalie. Rosalie turned to Calvin. They looked deep into each other's eyes. To our future, they both said at the same time. Right at that moment, Mr. S was also drinking a toast to the future, but his was a future where dark forces had taken over the town and he and his master ruled with an iron claw. Could the Rose of San Juan Capistrano and the little team of bringers of the light handle this assignment? Well, of course they can. The limo bumped gently along the dirt road up to the retreat, and Greer and Molly McBottoms readied themselves for the next leg of the journey. <laughs>